for tapes of end-time meetings, deliverance services, or Lake Hamilton Bible Campgrounds publication, Voices from His Excellent Glory, Declaring the Kingdom, writes Post Office Box 21516, Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas, zip 71903. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com. Thank you. Wednesday morning, October the 29th, 2003. The Deliverance Ministers Conference being held at Lake Hamilton Bible Campgrounds, Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas. Bo Fisher of New Wine Fellowship, Pasadena, Texas, is the minister on this tape. Should this tape for any reason be defective, please explain and return for replacement. To look in a cursory way at some occult practices that have crept into the church and show a few diagrams that may or may not be disturbing to you. So before we begin, why don't we pray and just ask the Lord for protection. Uh, I, I did some research for this teaching, and I've already uh, done the self-deliverance associated with that research. So we'll just pray that we wouldn't expose ourselves to anything that would uh, trouble us spiritually. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We invite you to come into this place. We ask you to teach us so that we can be useful to you. We pray, Lord, that anything we don't need to know would just come in through one ear and go out the other. We pray that you put your angels around this place, protect us, and we bind away any spirits that would somehow try to take advantage of this in Jesus' name. Okay, for, for most of what I'm going to share, I actually uh, did research uh, not at Christian sources, but actually in the, the sources of mainly encyclopedias that would talk about these kinds of things. So I'm just like that. And then Christian sources that I went to would confirm what I read. But we are going to uh, define and describe some practices that have come into the church that are New Age. And I'm going to run through a lot of terms today, maybe 40 or 50 terms. And if you don't want to take notes, every single term that I have, I'm going to show it on the overhead without a definition. I'm going to talk about the definition, describe it briefly. We're going to go through a lot of them. But there's a little booklet right here called Exposing the Invasion of the New Age in the Church. And you can get that booklet. It's right by their cash register there for, I think, $2 or something. And so if you don't want to take notes, you can just listen and enjoy the teaching and then go back and get this and read it later. And you'll have a record of this. The practices are, are so many and so widespread today, at least in the United States. I don't know about elsewhere in the world, but it... It might not be an overstatement to say that every single church in the United States has someone that is either consciously or unconsciously participating in one of these things, unrepentantly. And I may uh, kick some sacred cows today, and I just uh, ask that you would listen with an open mind and listen to what I say and whether I give some evidence for this and then you can pray about it or do some more research yourself or whatever. But this is mainly designed so that you will be able to help others that you come in contact with and minister to. There are so many of these kinds of practices and they metamorphosize into uh, different kinds of practices. They're so varied that it we would never be able to have an exhaustive list of them. So what I'm hoping by the end of the teaching is to have given you two or three or four basic principles by which you, when you hear about something that you're ministering to and they say, oh, I do this or I like this or I've got my family's really into this, you can sort of measure this against the, the backdrop of these principles and, 
and help them to see if this is something that they really need to put aside as a Christian. And I really want to give a lot of credit to uh, Mrs. Mitzi Burton, who shared from this pulpit uh, many times. She shared a teaching similar to this at the conference last year that really helped uh, put this in perspective in my mind. And a lot of the credit goes to her for the information that is shared here. If you have your Bibles, why don't we turn to Hebrews 5. We've got a lot to cover today, so I may move quickly, and if you're not quite there yet, I may begin reading. Hebrews 5, verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What I'm hoping is that this will be an exercise in discernment, this is a place, especially in the deliverance ministry, where discernment is so necessary. And uh, it's amazing to me that so many churches could be so undiscerning about some of these things. But the, the first concept that I want to bring up is the term vital force. Vital force is, this is not necessarily a term that, this is a descriptive term, not a definitive term. Vital force is a concept that is shared by the Eastern religious philosophies of India and China, and it is portions of these two religions and philosophies that have essentially invaded the church, at least in the United States, as the New Age occultism. And the best way to think of vital force is like the force in Star Wars. If you ever saw that movie or read about that movie, uh, it's, the force was an energy that's in and around and through everything. Uh, some of the terms from the movie were like the force be with you or the force is strong in this one or use the force Luke and it was it's a it's a commodity that can be channeled or stored or accumulated or used for a particular purpose and uh, one of the most important things about vital force is it is an it it is it is impersonal it is a, a force not a person it's Impersonal, like the God of the Chinese and the Indian religions. But uh, turn to Isaiah 1 to contrast this, to make it real clear that this is not the God of the Bible. Because if you talk to people that are into New Age occultism, they will say that the, the vital force, this is, is God. But a personal God speaks. Isaiah 1, verse 16, what, just like he always, I'm sure, speaks to you about, he's speaking here to the nation of Israel about sin. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. A, an impersonal God comes and maybe guides you or helps you or you can use it to do various things, but the personal God of the Bible always begins with repent. Jesus began his ministry with the word... John the Baptist began his ministry with the word repent. Jesus began with the word repent. All of the apostles began with their ministries with the word repent. We as disciples in the 21st century are to have as the central focus of our message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The impersonal God of these religions never requires repentance, never holds someone guilty before God of having transgressed his moral law, as being guilty, of being a transgressor, a criminal before the divine court of justice. And as a result, there's no place for the blood of Jesus 
in these religions and philosophies. There's no place for the cross. And so I'm going to draw the conclusion, I'm sure you would agree with me, that they are therefore anti-Christ. If they have no place for the blood because they don't address personal sin and moral guilt before God on Judgment Day and they don't talk about the need for the cross, then that means they're anti-Christ. They deny the most central aspects of our religion. So that's the basis on which I'm going to call things antichrist throughout the rest of the teaching. And the, the bait that has been used, the draw card that has drawn so many of our brethren uh, into New Age occultism, almost certainly inadvertently, is the promise of physical, mental, and emotional health that is offered by alternative medicine and complementary therapies. Ra- raise your hand if you have heard that term. Alternative medicine, complementary therapies. Okay, Christians are flocking literally by the millions to, hear, to heal an ailment or to maintain optimum health or to relieve mental and emotional stress. And I think that it's understandable because this is a... Think for a minute, you're, someone is sick, a Christian or someone else gets sick. That is one of the most helpless feelings that there is. A feeling that you're sick, that your body it has something that's wrong with it, and you go to the doctor, he may or may not offer a cure. The cure that he offers may be extremely invasive or uncomfortable. And I think it's, a, it's an understandable temptation for someone to want to look elsewhere. You know, uh, our brother here who shared about the prostate cancer. If he had chosen at that time to talk with the doctor about what that would entail, well, that's the healing of that disease is an extremely invasive, debilitating type of thing. And it, it would go through a great deal of discomfort. It would be an unhappy experience. Let's just put it that way. And it would be an understandable temptation, if he was not a believer here, for him to look for something else, some alternative way, maybe something from China or from the East that offers some other hope. But many of our brethren are falling in this, and uh, the, the blame should be laid squarely on the shoulders of the pastors. Pastors who are not warning their sheep, who are not teaching their sheep properly how to move in the Spirit, how to exercise discernment, and how to um, understand about real spiritual forces. These uh, practices can best be conceptualized by the term energy medicine. Energy medicine, this energy is, uh, it says that the disease in your body and maybe the prostate cancer he talked about, is the result of the affected, affected body part having too much or too little or the wrong kind or, or a wrong balance of energy. And the cure would be to get a different energy flow or a better energy flow or more energy to that affected body part to facilitate healing. Uh, this energy is synonymous with vital force. Okay, so he would, in other words, he would need to get more of the vital force to that part of his body. Energy medicine is practiced in many, many, many different ways. But uh, in, I found that they tend to lump themselves into two categories. Those that are rooted in ancient Chinese religion and philosophy and those that are rooted in ancient Indian religion and philosophy. Now, we'll begin with the uh, Chinese. The uh, The Chinese religion and philosophy views everything in the universe as linked together by qi. That's how you spell qi. Believe it or not, sometimes it's spelled Q-I. Okay? I don't know why. But qi, like you've heard, maybe tai chi, 
Okay, that's an example of that. Chi uh, is the vital life force or, or the energy. That's the Chinese version of the, the vital force or the vital energy. And supposedly the Chi flows through the body along channels called meridians. These, uh, there are hundreds of these channels. But right here, these, these, the long lines are called meridians. It's sort of like, just like you have a vascular system. Well, this would be the, the chi system in the body. And the energy supposedly flows along these channels. Uh, I will say, as a former psychedelic drug user, that uh, many times that's kind of the way you feel on psychedelic drugs. You feel like you're sort of connected with the universe through an energy flow. And one of the reasons why I quit doing psychedelic drugs, was as, and I did it a couple times after being born again, was because I didn't like the way that God began to seem much, much less personal and like my father and much more like this sort of force field that I merged with. You know? That's not as nearly as good of a feeling as the father. Okay, But this is... Uh, that's what meridians look like. Also, the picture that I just showed you is very similar to a picture which is on the album cover of the Rush album, 2112, Rush being a rock band. That's a technical drawing that I just showed you, but experientially, people that dabble in the occult have the same kind of experience. That's just a technical drawing that shows what people experience. Now, each meridian that I showed you is said to affect a particular organ or system. So disruptions in the flow could cause imbalance or illness. And you, if you were having heart trouble, you would want to uh, have the energy flow down a certain way through certain meridians to get more energy or a better balance of energy in your heart so your heart would be healed. These are all based on occultic New Age Antichrist religious philosophies. And now I'm going to go through some particular practices that are based on what I just showed you and uh, some of them are going to be familiar, some of them less so. Some of them, when I explain uh, what they are, you're going to be tempted to laugh, okay? It's going to seem very silly, but, uh, you know, just remember that this is a real temptation for some people, and, and there are people that are falling. The first practice that we're going to look at, alternative uh, medicine or complementary therapy, that is based in occult, antichrist, new age, ancient Chinese religion and philosophy. Whoops, there's meridians is acupuncture, okay? I don't think there's anybody in the room that hasn't heard of acupuncture. Acupuncture uses very thin needles inserted at designated points along those meridians. The points are called acupoints, okay? You may have noticed that along those lines on the drawing I showed of the man, there were little dots, okay? Those dots would be acupoints. I'm not going to put it back up here because it's too hard to... Say again? Okay, yeah. Those are called acupoints. And the acupoints are where you put the needles in. And the needles are supposed to uh, redirect the flow of energy or maybe draw energy to that point, but somehow affect the flow of energy. That's the main point that I want you to get out of this, is that there's a flow of energy that someone is trying to manipulate. Now, uh, probably a lot of you in this room remember, I was just a little boy, but when... Uh, President Nixon went to China in 1972, and he had an entourage of reporters with him, one of whom was named James Reston. He was a New York Times reporter, and while he was there, his appendix burst or ruptured, or he had appendicitis, acute appendicitis, and he went to the hospital, and he had some medical treatment that uh, gave him some very temporary relief. But the next day, he had, again, significant 
trouble with his appendix and he went and rather than having medical treatment had acupuncture and it completely relieved all of his symptoms of appendicitis and uh, the next night or the next week an article appeared in the New York Times about his experience with acupuncture and that was really the first major national exposure that acupuncture got in the US there are at least 10,000 trained acupuncturists in the US right now and at least 4,000 physicians have learned this. Dr. Nell, have you heard of physicians that know acupuncture or do acupuncture? Okay, well it's definitely in the medical community, even in the United States, held up as a viable alternative therapy. This is a, a magazine cover from Newsweek from December 2nd of last year, the, the Science of Alternative Medicine, and here you see a woman that ha is having needles inserted into her scalp or her forehead to cure some ailment. That just shows the how popular this is or how how in the forefront of popular culture this is to be on the front cover of Newsweek. Okay. I heard a story right here, as a matter of fact, uh, Missy Burton told it, of a pastor of a large charismatic church in the metropolitan Houston area and there were, was a couple in his church that was practicing an occult New Age uh, medical therapy in their home. Okay, they would go to church, they'd meet people. I'm sure they were active members of the church, but when people would express different physical problems or even mental or emotional problems, they would invite them to their house and they had a little group of people in their house and they would regularly minister to them using this. Uh, Mitzi Burton brought this to the pastor's attention and the pastor investigated it and he refused to address it or to stop it or to speak against it in any way and his rationale was that well it seems to be helping people and he himself years ago had himself had acupuncture on his knee for a football injury and that that had helped him a lot so that was his rationale for not addressing this okay do you wonder why maybe there's no revival in large charismatic churches or maybe maybe the reason why God's withholding the blessing of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in certain places would be because of the refusal to address things like this I would say uh, in my opinion that acupuncture rec represents the biggest threat in medicine today for people to inadvertently expose themselves to the new age because it is so commonly held up as a as an option for helping people quit smoking or for helping with different types of acute pain or chronic pain. Acupressure. Acupressure is just like acupuncture except rather than using needles you use uh, direct pressure on the acupoints maybe with the thumb or the palm of the hand to try to again remember what you're trying to do is either redirect or enhance the flow of energy to a certain point. All right. Uh, Shiatsu, down there at the bottom. Shiatsu is an ancient Japanese system of massage that's based on the acupuncture system. And that, again, applies gentle pressure to balance the flow of chi, but it differs from acupressure in that it's applied in a gentle, rhythmic fashion and it's focused more on prevention rather than on treatment. And you may have gone to Walgreens and seen there's a little box you can buy and it's got two little thumb looking things sitting up. It looks kind of like two tiny little gear shifts and you lay your head back on that and turn it on and it mm -hmm. kind of rubs on your 
head. Okay, that's that's a shiatsu machine. Okay, you can go get them at Walgreens. Now, uh, <clears throat> the next term we're going to look at is called reflexology. Okay, if I ever have the opportunity to teach this again, I will learn PowerPoint beforehand. <laughs> I will point with a click with a button. But we're doing it in this... I'm primitive. I'm technologically challenged. How many people have you ever heard of reflexology? Okay, reflexology uh, deals with parts of the feet. may also be parts of the hand, but uh, specifically what I've read is parts of the feet called reflex points are related to specific body organs or functions. Let me show you what this looks like on this overhead. Okay, uh, on the foot right here, you see if you were having trouble with your stomach, this is so you would have a specific kind of massage or pressure applied to this part of the foot and supposedly that would heal your stomach ailments if you were having trouble with your uh, colon right there little pressure or massage or something right there will deal with your colon and it, it, again it's not just a massage therapy remember that this is your foot is supposed to be a map of your body and pressing right there is supposed to change or alter the energy flow to your stomach or your colon or your eyes or your heart or whatever. So it's not just <clears throat> that this is a, a harmless massage technique. The, the underlying philosophy behind it is that you're trying to change the flow of energy through this sort of little, uh, the manipulable, manipulable part of your body on your foot. This chart right here I got from Office Depot. Okay, maybe some of y'all are from small towns. Office Depot, major office supply chain in major cities. I just walked in and there was a large uh, product dump, cardboard box that had hundreds of these little plastic triangular machines. You put a battery in it and it'll go, it's a little vibrator and you, that chart shows you where you apply it on your foot or your hand so that you can enhance your health. Right there in Office Depot. Uh, the next term we're going to look at is Chinese herbal medicine. Chinese herbal medicine is, uh, consists of certain herbs. You could go to stores probably in Chinatown in, in major cities like Houston or, or Dallas, and whole racks on the wall would be full of various kinds of herbs and mushrooms and different things, and, and they are herbs and, and natural remedies. But they're not just natural remedies. The philosophy behind them is that they are supposed to increase the flow of chi or change the flow of chi to your body. I've seen this often as a last-ditch effort for advanced cancer patients. You know, chemotherapy isn't working or it's becoming very... Uh, therapies are becoming very traumatic or invasive, so they'll go to this because it is gentle on your system, but it's occultic in that you're trying to change the energy flow to the tumor. Okay? Here's another one. Uh, aromatherapy. Okay, these are some of the more popular ones that I'm sure you've seen. Aromatherapy involves the therapeutic use of odors from distilled plant oils. The, uh, what aromatherapy is based on is that your body supposedly vibrates at a certain frequency. Different plant oils, uh, distilled plant oils, vibrate at varying frequencies. So if you're having difficulty with a certain part of your body, it may mean that it's vibrating at the wrong frequency, okay? I tried, as a young man, to apply various hard rock and roll bands directly through the ears, but to vibrate my body back into the right frequency. No, 
I'm just making a joke here. So, for example, distilled peppermint oil might vibrate at a certain frequency and distilled chamomile oil might vibrate at another frequency. And an aromatherapist would say, you're having trouble with hacking coughs. It's because of this and such problem and we need to change the way the energy is flowing to that area and the way that's vibrating. So I'm going to prescribe a regimen of a combination of these two oils applied uh, at different parts of your body at different times of the day to try to bring your body back into balance and health. Okay? This is uh, essential oils right there. Another way that this therapy is applied is by vaporizing the oils into the air and then you breathe it. Uh, they have, the, the oils have names like peace or serenity or tranquility or uh, love or joy or, you know, basically positive things. And even some like wealth or success. And uh, diffu diffusing and inhaling the aromas from these oils. Now, I'm going to quote directly from the books on aromatherapy. These are not Christian books. This is what aromatherapy says about itself. In fact, this is a book. I can't believe I found it in the library. It's a book written by a manufacturer of aromatherapy oils. So, of course, it's going to talk about all the great things it'll do. It's basically like a advertising manual but diffusing and inhaling the aromas from these oils will quote help create greater spiritual and emotional harmony unquote okay here's another thing it will do quote aligns energy centers of the body and releases them if they're blocked unquote uh, certain oils increase oxygen around the pineal and pituitary glands therefore quote stimulating the pineal gland through which we communicate spiritually Unquote. Again, they're supposed to relax, calm, release negative emotions and memory trauma. Well, you guys, you've been laboring in the deliverance minute for, for, for so long. You just needed some aromatherapy oils. Okay, again, they're they are supposed to uh, give courage, confidence, self-esteem, elevated spiritual consciousness, harmonic balance to the energy centers of the body, and attract love and enhance joy. Bring harmony to the psyche. Hadn't been working for you, honey. But. <laughs> okay, uh, you would typically apply them to the navel or the ears or the back of the neck, the temples, on your foot reflexology points. Uh, the frequencies are supposed to protect against the bombardment of negative energy. So, uh, aromatherapy, while you can uh, go to Walgreens and and buy apparently harmless aromatherapy candles right there with all the other bath oils and things like that. They're actually, it, it, the philosophy, well, it's just a candle, you know, it's a piece of wax, smells good. But the philosophy behind the people that made that and they're promoting it and what they're intending for you to do with it and what some people that buy it are intending to do with it is basically draws heavily on acupuncture theory because you would apply stuff to your acupoints to increase the flow of chi energy. It draws on reflexology theory because you might put them on the reflex. And it's also incredibly superstitious. I mean, in, in spite of what I just read here, I also read a testimony of a lady who had uh, some of her essential oils that were called wealth or success or something like that. And she said she walked past one of the Salvation Army bell ringers who was laboring out there in the cold and nobody was putting any money in their thing. And she went up with her little bottle of success 
wealth oil and put it around the thing and put it on the bell ringer and walked in and did her shopping. And to hear her tell the story, when she came out, people were just nearly lining up to shove 20s and 50s and 100s in that bell. Okay, well, that's just really superstitious. All right? I I don't have any uh, aromatherapy candles to show you but what I would say about this, you know, a candle is just a candle. We're sons and daughters of God. But I know that none of you would go, and if you needed a candle, go to that little section in the store where they sell the Catholic candles to saints, you know, where you burn one to saint whoever, right? You'd go and you'd buy the candles on the other side of the store. They were just normal candles. I would really encourage you to just look for something that says, scented candle, okay? Not aromatherapy. If someone gives you an aromatherapy candle, you know, if it's an opportunity for you to witness to them, great. If you don't feel like you have a real witness to them, just say, boy, I sure appreciate you thinking about me this Christmas or this birthday or whatever. That's really thoughtful of you to think about me. Thank you, thank you. As soon as they leave, just toss it in the trash, you know. Or take it back to the store and exchange it for a scented candle, one you want. But I really wouldn't have anything to do with aromatherapy candles. If you go to the store, you'll be able to tell. You don't have to worry about whether a candle is an aromatherapy candle or not. It will say if it is. Okay. Some candles probably really aren't aromatherapy candles technically, but they're putting that name on it because they're trying to sell that because that's hot and popular. But if you go to any store, Bath and Body Works or any of these popular chain stores, you will definitely find, uh, find these things. Again, this is the, uh, the pineal gland. We mentioned that uh, New Age occultists believe that you communicate spiritually through your pineal gland. Dr. Noll, is there really a gland called the pineal gland? Okay, that is a real pituitary gland. Pituitary endocrine gland. I got you. Okay, it's right up there in the crown of your head. Okay, well, the current kooky theory is that that's where you communicate spiritually. This is really serious stuff, and this is the way that an antichrist spirit is continuing to move through our country in greater and greater ways, and we need to be alert to that. Now, there is another diagnostic technique uh, called iridology. Iridology is a diagnostic technique that is practiced by the proponents of a macrobiotic diet. Now, here uh, is how you spell iridology and macrobiotic diet, okay? Uh, A macrobiotic diet is based on the theory that certain kinds of food embody more or less of the yin or yang principle. This is what yin and yang look like. If you don't know, I'm sure you've seen something like this before, okay? Different different people use this symbol in different ways in popular culture. Uh, It's very popular kind of kids and surfing and skateboarding and stuff. But this is an... This is a symbol, and these principles of yin and yang are rooted in Chinese Taoist philosophy. That's T-A-O, Taoist. What uh, Taoism says is that there are two opposing forces in the universe, and it is their conflict or mixture that gives rise to the entire universe, including qi energy. So this is sort of the picture of the whole universe is based in this symbol right here. Foods in a macrobiotic diet are selected based on their supposed content of either the yin principle or the yang principle. Just to give you an example, roots and things that grow under the ground like carrots and potatoes and sweet potatoes and things like that 
would possibly embody more of the yin principle, for example. That'd be an example. Whereas things that grow on way on top of trees, like apples and pears and, and things like that, cherries, they may have more of the yang principle. So a good, healthy, macrobiotic diet would be to, to balance those two kinds of things. Things that grow on the ground with things that grow up real high. Here is how iridology comes into the macrobiotic diet. Iridology is very similar to reflexology in that it says it's a diagnostic technique that says that the entire human body is sort of pictured in a microcosm in the human iris, the colored part around the pupil of your eye. So you can study the appearance of the iris to diagnose all kinds of diseases. It's a little different, you know, in reflexology you have a symptom and you go and you have a symptom, and let's say in your bladder, you're having bladder troubles. Well, an experienced reflexologist would know where the part on your foot is that represents the bladder and would apply pressure or aromatherapy oils or acupuncture or something like that to try to get the flow of chi energy to your bladder so that it operates properly. Iridology is a little bit different. In iridology, you might yeah, you don't necessarily have a symptom that you go for the cure. This is actually a diagnostic technique where someone would look in your eye and you may not know that you have a trouble with your bladder, but they're going to find trouble with your bladder or your chest or your abdomen or your back or your bowels. So they'd look into your eye and would, and would say, I see in this particular part of your eye, you know, maybe a little black spot or a an abnormality that indicates to me that you have trouble with your bladder and so you need to deal with that by whatever means that they may have a suggestion for how to deal with it I'm sure they would but this is a diagnostic technique we're going to look at some more terms here of other therapies the next one is applied kinesiology this is in contrast to kinesiology which is a study of movement in the muscles and bones and things that's a legitimate Science, but applied kinesiology is uh, a way of diagnosing weaknesses or nutritional deficiencies in organs or systems, a uh, way of diagnosing allergies or even more serious illnesses such as cancer. And here are some other terms that are synonymous with applied kinesiology. Contact reflex analysis, AK, behavioral or biokinesiology, or MRT. Okay. <clears throat> now, I'm going to try to demonstrate to you how this works. This, someone, if I came to someone who was going to practice applied kinesiology on me, what they would do is they would give me a substance that they thought that I might be allergic to or something like that. And, and they, First of all, they'd have me hold my arm out like this and, and they would push on my arm to try to see how strong my resistance was to them pushing my arm down. Okay, And then they might give me a little piece of, let's say, iron if they suspected I was allergic to iron or aluminum okay I'd take a little piece of aluminum put it under my tongue and hold my arm out and they would push on my arm and if they perceived that I didn't have as much strength to hold the arm up they would determine that I maybe had an allergy to aluminum or by contrast if they pushed on my arm the first time and it had a certain strength and then they gave me some calcium and put it I put it under my tongue and they noticed I was really strong then they would perceive maybe I had a calcium deficiency and I needed to eat more calcium. Sometimes it's even, they will even uh, use psychic energy. Let's say you were having some difficulties and they pushed on your arm like that and then they perceived a certain strength and then they came up to you to push on it again and they thought the word mother. 
or something like that. And if your arm was really weak, they would say, well, you've got, a, you've got some issues with your mother you need to work out. So it could literally move into the psychic, uh, telepathic realm like that. So uh, that it really relies heavily on acupuncture theory because they will, they will press these trigger spots on your arms. It's a lot more complicated than I did. I have a little trouble understanding it. That gives you sort of a very cursory glance at what this is. But it, it, what I want to mention is that it often uses telepathy as part of its diagnosis and that it is really, really bad science. I mean, when they'll couch it in these really technical terms like, well, your biomagnetical reflexes are having electrical impulse interruptions or something. And that it's just bad science, okay? It's, it's not scientifically based. Now, this is what the pastor that I mentioned at the beginning of the service in the Houston area refused to confront in his church. This is what was going on in his church. I found a nearly identical type of exercise in uh, an occult book called the Psychic Energy Workbook. Okay? Now, uh, the next therapy we're going to take a look at is called uh, homeopathy. Uh, homeopathy is a treatment where tiny amounts of poison are diluted into water or alcohol and then they're given to you to drink to cure ailments. Now, it's based on the theory that, uh, it, 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 let's say, for example, you're having a real trouble with indigestion. A homeopathic practitioner would give you a tiny bit of poison diluted in water that causes indigestion. Uh, sort of on the same kind of theory like an immunization that if that a little bit of it will help your body to resist indigestion or become healed from indigestion I'll tell you why this is occultic is because the tiny amounts of poison that are in the water are so tiny that they're actually not there the dilutions are the equivalent of a pinch of salt in the entire Atlantic Ocean what, they, what you might do is you take a vial of water, for example, and you take a dropper of poison that causes indigestion, and you put one drop in there. And then you shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. You take an eyedropper of that and put it in another one. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Take a drop of that and put it in another vial. Shake it, shake it, shake it. Maybe 30,000 times. You actually don't have any of the original poison left when you're done. But what you're said to have is its energy footprint, okay, or its vital spirit, okay? That's where it definitely crosses the line into occultism. So y'all get that? You, there's really nothing left of the original poison by the time you drink it. But supposedly the energy footprint or vital spirit is still there. Now, let me uh, debunk this. Although this is extremely popular, especially in Europe, and it's growing in popularity here, and I guarantee you could find a, a health food store here in Hot Springs that would sell these type of remedies, and you could find dozens of them in Little Rock that would. If this kind of process is true, don't we drink, uh, isn't the water that we get as tap water often treated sewage? Okay? Imagine the kind of energy footprints you'd have in that. I mean, you'd have all kinds of energy footprints. The next uh, process or therapy we're going to look at is called uh, biomeridianism. Biomeridianism, 
uh, a lady came to our church a while back, and she had been involved in this, and she described it to me in detail. It's a diagnostic procedure that's based on acupuncture and homeopathy and reflexology theories. Uh, what happens is there's a machine called an MSA machine, okay, and uh, there are little electrical probes that come out of that machine, and the practitioner places the probes at different parts on the body and maybe oh reads temperature or electrical impulses or different kinds of things and finds physiological sources of imbalances and then typically recommends homeopathic remedies to solve the imbalances imbalance is really a key concept in looking at these alternative medicine things because uh, almost all of these types of therapies and obviously like I said I mean I've already gone through about 40 of them they're all kind of the same kind of different but almost all of them are said to try to treat an imbalance and as you deal with the people that are involved in the occult and the new age in, in, met, in medicine or health food and things you'll find that they're trying to cure an imbalance again and with the biomeridianism tries to use real medical scientific sounding uh, terms Tai Chi Tai Chi is a martial art, right there, that's how it's spelled, it's an, it's an ancient martial art form and it's designed to enhance the flow of Chi by flowing body movements, uh, it's, they're particularly designed to stretch out the tendons to increase the flow of Chi to different parts of the body and it's, it, it has a real flowing motion, you know karate you think of, well Tai Chi is really a lot more kind of I can't do Tai Chi I'm making this up but I, from the pictures I saw it's a lot more of this kind of flowing sort of design to no I'm not dancing Michael Jackson you're you're doing you're kind of increasing the flow of Chi around your tendons and also the Chi is supposed to be accumulating in your belly like a reservoir of power and at different points, if you were threatened, you'd be sort of like a coiled snake. You know, you'd, you'd have this great burst of power to release, to uh, do violence to someone else. Okay, the movements and, and the concentration on the breathing results in a, a meditative mental state. Okay, as always, when I give this teaching, I begin to get behind. So I'm going to step it up a little bit. The next uh, thing we're going to look at is called feng shui. Uh, feng Shui uh, is arranging your environmental surroundings to attract or increase the flow of Qi to a place or building. It's very superstitious. Uh, everything in the house is examined to determine if it is perhaps inadvertently repelling Qi away from your house. Uh, you want to attract Qi to your house uh, for luck and for wealth and for sexual potency and for all the kinds of things that you might want out of life. Again, it's very superstitious. It's very lucky to face a waterfall, but if you don't have a waterfall, you can go down to Walgreens and get one of those little cascading things and plug it in on your front porch and you, now you got a waterfall. You want to make sure your front door isn't facing the wrong direction because the chi will run out. And keep the toilet lid closed because the chi will run down the drain. Just no joke. Uh, in Hong Kong, major architectural structures will have an additional fire added to the top of them to make sure that they hit that lucky number and don't have an unlucky number of towers. So like floor 13, that kind of thing. Okay, uh, it, it very much involves horoscopes, lucky numbers, uh, landscaping. It's based on uh, 
Taoist religion and the I Ching, which is a book. It was very popular. Who remembers this? Feng Shui. Okay, well, it, it, was, it was very popular uh, during 2000 to about 2002. If you logged on to AOL.com or MSN.com, major internet uh, home pages, there would be something on the page for months. Click here to find good feng shui ideas for your house, you know, how to use colors and how to make sure you don't have too many sharp angles in your house, you know, you sort of move it like that so that the chi doesn't get, you know, sort of bombards off of this and goes over to Dr. Null, rather. Doesn't get caught up over here. I don't know how Christians respond to this. I just I brought this up because it was blatant occultism right there in very obvious places. I, you know, I hope too many Christians didn't get into this. The, the popularity of this has waned. I think that's a little too superstitious for our Western culture right now. Okay, the next thing is called uh, therapeutic touch. Therapeutic touch is sometimes it's called healing hands or touch for health or healing touch. And uh, the most significant thing about it or a significant thing about it is you don't actually touch the person. Believe it or not, uh, there's a, a big... A Baptist church, a black Baptist church in the Houston area, and they have a health fair every year or two, and I've gone down there and got my cholesterol checked and things like that. And they sent us an advertisement at our church, and they were doing this uh, healing hands there at the church. I mean, they weren't, the church was not necessarily doing it. They invite all kinds of different people in for a health fair, and one of the things they were doing was having someone that would do healing touch, and I wrote them a letter and sent them this little booklet that said we wouldn't be attending this year. The way this works, the therapist clears his own mind to facilitate communication with the patient's energy field. Okay? And then he detects blockages in the normal flow of energy and then unruffles the patient's energy field to restore balance and to sweep the stagnant energy downward past the patient's toes and out of the body. And then the practitioner transfers his own excess energy to the patient to alter any misalignment in the patient's energy field. It's kind of Chinese, it's kind of psychic. I found an identical exercise in the Psychic Energy Workbook. As of 1995, 40,000 people, most of them nurses in nursing home and hospitals, had been taught this at at least 80 U.S. universities. This is a 1995 article, the Christian Research Journal, and it shows a nurse standing over a comatose patient with a crystal and sort of now, this magazine said that energy field disturbance is an official nursing diagnosis. I haven't been able to confirm that. Dr. Noel, have you heard of anyone doing that? Okay, well, maybe this isn't... It's definitely bad, but maybe it's not as common or popular as uh, this article led me to believe. But if you ever go in and see your... Okay. Well, if you go uh, visit your relatives and you see a nurse in there with her eyes closed and her hands over your mom or dad, ask her not to do it anymore. Okay. Uh, Reiki is, uh, is a Japanese word that means universal life force energy. Uh, a practitioner is specially initiated, which usually involves the transfer of money from him to whoever it is that's initiating him. I, I read this for the second time and I thought, yeah, it reminds me of Simon the Sorcerer, right? They said your money perished with you for you thought to, that you could buy the gift of God from money. But anyway, that's exactly what happens. The Reiki practitioner buys the right to be initiated to a, a special, special metaphysical channel of Reiki energy where he can put his hands on the patient and transfer Reiki energy to the patient. 
It's also, it reduces pain and enhances a general feeling of well-being. It's also called the Yusui, I don't know how you pronounce that, Yusui, Japanese, system of natural healing. Okay, now you may at this point be saying, you know, come on, what's the big deal? We could look at the occult all day. Well, uh, to name names, in Houston, the Houston Baptist University has a wellness center. And at the wellness center, they do healing hands, they do Reiki, okay, they do acupuncture, and they do yoga. Okay, so it's very common. We can go across the street to the biggest Methodist church in our area, in, in Pasadena, and they're doing yoga and these types of things. So the reason why I'm saying this is not that the world is full of the occult, but it's that the church is full of the occult. Okay, so that's why we're having this here. It's not to, to look at all the occult things we possibly could, but this is very common for, or it's becoming more and more common for Christians to indulge in this. Okay, now, we're going to go and take a quick look at ancient Indian religion and philosophy. Ancient Indian religion and philosophy views everything in the universe as linked together by prana. Prana is an invisible energy. Uh, it's a little bit different from chi in that chi can get stale or you can get too much of it or this and that. Prana, the more prana, the better. You want all the prana you can get a hold of. Prana is received by breathing. Prana circulates. Uh, along the spine through channels that are uh, called uh, nadis, N-A-D-I-S. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but this is how it's spelled, neither being ancient nor Indian. I don't know how to pronounce this. Not nadis. That's plural. Okay? And this is what that looks like. That's probably your pineal gland right there at the top of her head. You see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven chakras. You see she has a, an erect spine, and you have uh, two two uh, nadis there going into her nostrils. She's breathing prana in. One of the nadis is associated with femininity and coolness, intuitiveness in the moon. That's presumably the blue one. The other one is associated with masculinity, warmth, aggressiveness, and the sun. Uh, as prana travels. Uh, upper spine, it's collected in energy centers called chakras, seven consecutive energy centers that are associated with certain endocrine glands. Uh, the glands are stimulated by the accumulation of prana, which results in general health and well-being and heightened spiritual awareness. Now, the next thing we're going to take a look at is called Ayurveda. Ayurveda is the traditional healing art that is associated with this philosophy sees the human body as a microcosm of the universe consisting of uh, five elements, you know, fire, air, water, earth, ether, the spirit world. Ayurveda seeks to let the body heal itself by taking the patient's mind off his sickness and relaxing him and developing his spirituality. And it does this through a regimen that involves transcendental meditation, yoga, something called bliss therapy, Primordial sound, which would be chanting Om or other primordial sounds that are supposedly the deep foundational sounds of the universe. I guess kind of like the frequency thing we talked about. And also some herbal supplements. <clears throat> now, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know if Brother Michael Sami's here. Some Indians feel like they can, Christians feel like they can take the herbal supplements and maybe get by with not having any spiritual influence. I don't know. I would be very uncomfortable with it. I haven't found any American 
Ayurveda practitioners or sources that where you could get some kind of secularized, non-spiritual version of this. It's always just wrapped in the occult. And if you go to Ayurveda.com, you're one mouse click away from a big picture of the Lord Ganesh, the elephant god. So it's very closely associated with Hinduism. You know, it may be if you're an Indian Christian and you've got lots of discernment, and you know, there's some way you can, in India, you know how to do it where it's not occultic, but I, I strongly recommend that Westerners just stay away from it entirely. Uh, Ayurveda is being aggressively promoted from India by uh, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. You've probably heard of him. And it is being uh, actively promoted by his disciple who lives in the United States, uh, Deepak Chopra, who's an MD. And uh, I, I sense that there, potentially it could really sweep through the American medical community, especially as you have more foreign doctors, Indian doctors, and Oriental doctors who are not as put off or shocked by the occult. They're willing to prescribe acupuncture or yoga, things like that. Now, yoga, everybody familiar with yoga? Is there anybody that hadn't heard of yoga? Okay. <clears throat> it's a, it's really, yoga is really a philosophy, and it, it uses body movements. Uh, it takes you through a series of ritualistic poses and focuses on regulated breathing. breathing. The breathing is called pranayama. Remember we talked about pranas? The breathing exercise of yoga is called pranayama. So you see it's designed to take this life force into the body. And the regulated uh, breathing uh, puts the practitioner in a relaxed and meditative mental state where the human soul is united with a universal spirit. Okay? It's supposed to not just be good exercise, but promote all kinds of physical and mental and emotional health benefits. Okay? But let me tell you how, as far as I can tell, all yoga classes begin. They begin with something called the sun salutation. Okay? The sun salutation begins in a prayer posture. Okay? And then you kind of bow down like this. And then you bow down on your face. Okay? And then you, you bow down and you raise up like a cobra rising up to the sun. Okay? <clears throat> and then you go through a couple more poses and you end up in this. This posture is supposed to, this series of postures is supposed to show respect for the sun. Well, that's a really old one showing respect for the sun. Okay, we've seen that in pagan idolatrous religions since, you know, way, way back. And I'm certain that most, if not all, Americans are not really intending to worship the sun through this. But it is a mimicry of a pagan worship ritual. And it's hard to imagine the Apostle Paul uh, doing a little yoga and going through the sun salutation, mimicking a pagan worship thing to sort of clear his mind before his next gospel speaking engagement. But, you know, we're, he said, be followers of me as I also am of Christ. So if Paul wouldn't do it, we shouldn't do it. And uh, as I've looked at yoga, it appears to me that it's, you know, as much as people try to neuter it and water it down and this and that, at its most foundational level, its purpose is to explore the spirit realm like a, like a subterranean cave explorer or an astronaut to plumb the depths of the spirit world like an astronaut going into outer space. So you may just want to go into outer space for fun, but nevertheless, you are going into outer space. 
Okay, it is not primarily or even secondarily a workout technique. Uh, its, its purpose is to increase prana to the body. And if, if you doubt that, if you're talking with someone, you're trying to minister to someone about yoga, let, let them talk for a little while, and I guarantee they will start to say, well, I just really feel a lot of peace when I'm done. Okay? Well, I regularly play racquetball and tennis and swim and this and that, and I feel good afterwards, but I don't talk about feeling joy and peace. I mean, I feel, may feel glad, you know, that I'm not fat or something, but I don't... It's not a, a way of, of accessing fruits of the Spirit. Okay. <clears throat> going to have to cut some of these things out here. But uh, here's an example uh, from the Houston Chronicle of a woman doing yoga. It's front page of a little supplement session. Can you all see that? Well, I know as a young man, the first thing that pops out to me as I look at this is that this is a very immodest pose for the young woman. She's chosen the immodest clothing for her yoga workout technique. But the second thing is, it just if I were to read this article, it would talk about... I really see this as especially tempting for young women you know for women maybe 20 to 50 this is very common even 20 to 55 they want to feel good about their body okay they want to reduce the effects of menopause this is where this is a real temptation but when I look at this woman I see pride I see a stubborn forehead I don't see a good wife when I look at this woman honestly I really don't I see a whore if I can be very blunt, if I can say the spirit of whoredoms, I think that this is a practice that often women in the world can use to make them feel good about themselves because they have been so defiled sexually. Okay? I can say this here in this context here because we're dealing with, with the roto-rooters of the kingdom here. Okay? But there's a stubbornness and a hardness and a rebellion that often goes with yoga. Not at all to say that everyone that does that is this way or if you've ever done that that's not a not pointing a finger at you about that but as a spirit behind it I think that there's a real antichrist spirit that goes with this and I can I could almost see yoga being the religion of antichrist because it's very self-focused it's very focused on you your personal spirituality doesn't have anything as we said to do with sin or guilt or atonement or the cross or Jesus Christ except as a good teacher and nearly every health club in the United States has at least one yoga class. And it's not uncommon for larger sized churches to have yoga classes. Here's the YMCA that I go to. Very good, clean. It doesn't have a bad spirit. It's not full of, it's not a meat market, you know. But they got yoga classes there. The Young Men's Christian Association. Across the street, the Methodist Church, big Methodist Church at their fitness center, yoga. Uh, at the Houston Baptist University Wellness Center. Yoga, First Baptist Church, no, Second Baptist Church in Houston. Massive church. Okay, their pastor was the president of the Southern Baptist denomination. Yoga. And it's because there's not a recognition of the spirit world. There's not a teaching of the people how to move in the spirit and discern in the spirit and check your gut, you know, and see if something looks like Eastern Indian occultism, smells like Eastern Indian occultism, has all the trappings of Eastern Indian occultism. It's Eastern Indian occultism. You can't neuter it. Yoga, okay. Apparently, Lamaze incorporates aspects of yoga into it. Breathing, the regulated breathing. Uh, churches will try to Christianize yoga. They'll, they'll put praise music on. You meditate on scriptures. But the problem is 
first of all, the problem is doing it at all. Okay, you can put all the scriptures on top of it you want, but it's still occultism. Secondly, they don't teach the people that are doing that, hey, this is exceedingly dangerous. It's a poison of the highest order. But as long as you wear these thick rubber gloves and a full body suit and a respirator, it's okay to touch it. Okay? No. I mean, they're handling it bare hands and not realizing that if they leave that church and maybe move across town to a church that doesn't have a yoga class and they go to the YMCA, well, the YMCA class doesn't play praise music and Bible verses. And they do that for a year or two and then they move to Boston. Well, Boston barely even has any churches. So while they're tr having trouble finding a church, they go to, they see a studio that says yoga. Well, that's, I mean, they're play, reading Sanskrit poetry and playing Indian music and, and she's going to be impressed with how much those ancient Indian philosophers knew about God and she's going to run into people that are wanting to do acupuncture and aromatherapy and reflexology and iridology and everything on her. Okay? And she hasn't been trained how to be wise and discerning. Doing yoga for exercise is the same thing as if uh, later tonight the lights went out at the camp. The electricity was interrupted and, I, and my wife wanted to read and I said, that's okay, honey. I know how to get some light and I drew a little circle and a pentagram and found a little chicken blood and sprinkled it around and got in the middle of it and conjured a blue phantasm. said, okay, now in the luminous blue phosphorescent light of this, let's read our Bibles. Look, Romans 11.16 says, if the, if the root is holy, okay, the fruit will be holy. I don't have time to turn to it, but that's the bottom line of the scripture is, if the root is holy, the fruit will be holy. If the root is unholy, the fruit will be unholy. That's how it is with all of these philosophies that we've just talked about. Many of them have no basis in scientific fact. If pressed, ultimately, they will always have to revert to their metaphysical philosophies to explain why they work. Now, you guys uh, know uh, the, the main places that Christians get exposed to this. Uh, doctors that are open to the occult, okay, maybe an Indian doctor or a Chinese oriental doctor. Uh, that's one way that people get exposed to the occult because they have no discernment. They're in the world. I mean, you can't blame them. They're just doing what they know and they're recommending these kinds of treatments to people. Okay, uh, health food stores. This is just a national chain health food stores, uh, uh, GNC, it's a national chain, okay? But you can get, I believe you can get homeopathic remedies there at GNC, and you can definitely, uh, this magazine, in talking about uh, how, treating menopause and stuff, it recommends uh, yoga and some other type, and meditation and other types of things like that. So health food stores are a real door for these things. There's nothing wrong with being healthy. There's nothing wrong with health food. But unfortunately, even a spirit-filled Christian health food store often you know, has the discernment of a doorpost in terms of what they let into their store. Okay? Chiropractors are a terrible doorway for these things. Chiropractic in and of itself and, and manipulating the spine because of acute spine pain is one thing. The uh, philosophy behind chiropractic adjustments often is, is very bad science. It, it borders on energy medicine. The man that started chiropractic, a man named Palmer, he was, uh, he was a, a, a mystic into metaphysics. Okay, I wouldn't say chiropractic is metaphysical, but let's just say that there, there are a lot of scientific difficulties in proving that if you have uh, trouble with a twitchy eyelid, that adjusting your spine will help that. 
And, and chiropractics, regardless of whether you think that if you have an earache, if you get your spine adjusted, that it'll feel better, chiropractic, chiropractors often will, uh, they will do Ayurveda, their wife will teach yoga, they will do acupuncture on you. So even a spirit-filled Christian chiropractor is no safety. Okay, you need to be very wise and discerning, and you need to teach your people to be very wise and discerning. Okay, uh, another term to watch out for is holistic. That means they're trying to treat the body and the mind. I encourage you to get this uh, book that I held up earlier. It talks about what to do if you are sick. The Bible's pretty clear. is call for the elders of the church. Okay, there's an opportunity to anoint you with oil. There's an opportunity to confess sin. If you don't get well, go back to the elders of the church. If you don't get well, go back to the elders of the church. The church is God's place for healing. That's where the kingdom of God is manifested. Okay, and I want to end here, and I want to... Uh, would you come and do Mass Deliverance, Chris? We have, okay, we've got four minutes. If you do three minutes of Mass Deliverance, you can do one minute of praying for protection. I thought we had to end at 1230. Is this on? Is this on? Okay, we have three minutes to cast all those demons out of you and your family. Well, first thing, was that informative? I really appreciate Bo's research. I had uh, done some teaching on this, and I asked him to do research, and he went the triple extra mile. So I bless the Lord for that. Amen. Lord, I pray protection over us right now. There was a lot of verbiage, stuff that could, uh, you know, the Bible does say to be simple concerning evil and wise concerning that, which is good. Amen. But sometimes it also says to be not... Um, uh, to be wise about the, the uh, devices of the enemy, lest he should gain. Uh, and is it like he said, right across the street from my church is a Methodist church. You can almost see the sign from my office window with binoculars. There's a sign. I can see it. It talks about yoga. And I've met the pastor over there, and I'd like an opportunity to talk to him. You know, and, But this is everywhere, folks. And it's going to get worse, 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 worse until it'll be the religion of the world. Did you know that? Antichrist will rise, and this will be the religion of the world. And so don't be surprised. It's just uh, multiplied to such a degree. I remember when the New Age movement first began to be manifest in the early 80s. Remember Constance Cumbie's book, Hidden Danger of the Rainbow? Some of those books that came out many, many years ago. Well, it's just 15,000 times bigger than all that. It's everywhere. In the toy stores and Walmart and Walgreens and everywhere. It's just it's every cartoon show. It's in the televisions. Folks, it, it, we are, it is a tidal wave of the New Age coming in. And, and the good news, though, there's good news in the middle of all this, that when the world looks up, when the world um, looks their heart troubles them for fear, we can what? We can look up and know that our redemption draws nigh. Can you amen? Well, Lord, we just pray protection right now in the name of Jesus. As our brother said, we bind away anything unclean, anything that would in any way affect us or titillate our minds or cause curiosity. We bind these things. They're wicked. This is wickedness. It's deception from the pits of hell to damn people to hell. Lord, I thank you that we're saved, born-again believers of the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would allow us to retain knowledge sufficient enough to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves to help those around us, to warn, to sound the, to put the trumpet to our mouth and sound the warning. Lord, to rescue, to snatch them out of the fire, those that, Lord, are just slipping into these occult uh, techniques, Lord. Grant wisdom to your church, Lord Jesus. I pray you'd use this tape, Lord, that our brother, uh, sent, um, brother Glenn sends to the, the, the network of, that you'd use us. And there was, this tape would find its way to pastors of this booklet, pastors and leaders and ministers, Lord Jesus, would open their eyes to not be so naive. Lord, that there, and this would open them to deliverance, that indeed deliverance is the only solution to people that have been involved in the occult. Now, I ask you right now, in the name of the Lord, to confess to Jesus right now. You confess right now any involvement you've had in any of these things. 
Just confess it as sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. You may have done it ignorantly. Confess it. Any curiosity, any, um, if you've done yoga, if you've done iridology or involved in homeopathic medicine or superstitions, there's so many things. Bo could have sat here for three hours and go through this stuff. The superstitions, knocking on wood, rabbit's foot. I mean, folks, this goes on and on and on. The occult. Just confess it. Confess it to the Lord. And if you're not sure what to confess, just say, Lord, I've been invited. Fax it up to me. Lord, I confess to you. I have knowingly or unknowingly been involved in occult activities. Lord, I, it's not something I wanted to do. But I did it nevertheless. Ask you to have mercy on me. Send the Holy Spirit. Put your finger on everything in me. We have given ground to the enemy, Lord. I renounce in Jesus' name. Every occult practice, every one of these New Age things and philosophies, I pray that you give me a sharp discernment. You cause me to be super sensitive and bold as a lion to share with my brothers and sisters the truth that will set them free. Satan, you're a liar. I renounce you and all your works. I renounce the powers of darkness. Lord, come and cleanse me of the blood. Wash me from all my sins and any sins of my ancestors that are involved in occult practices or illegitimate religions or philosophies, masonry, Eastern Star, Hinduism, Buddhism, or any of these things in Jesus' name. I renounce you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, in the name of the Lord, I command every spirit... Every spirit, every spirit that's somehow been resident or hanging on to people's emotions or souls or whatever, as a result, right now, they have renounced you, the blood of Jesus is cleansed, and there you go. You go right now. Come on. I command you to unhook your talons, to, un- to pull your talon holds out of their emotions, out of their mind, out of their bodies. Come on, out of their... Come on, come on. Loose them now in the name of Jesus Christ, in the authority of the blood of Jesus. Go. Every occult spirit... Every spirit that may be embedded in different organs of the body, all the way from the feet to the crown of the head, in Jesus' name. Come on. Any spirits of deception in the mind, the memory banks, and the imagination realm. Come on. Come on, in the name of the Lord. Come on. Satan, go. We have authority over you in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I command these occult spirits, go. Go. Now, in the name of Jesus. Go. Come on. Come on out. Come on. Take the power in the name of Jesus. Go. Leave the saints. Leave them. Leave them. Come on. Thrust them out, folks. Thrust them out, in Jesus' name. Go in the name of the Lord. Any deception, Lord, I ask you just to cleanse the mind with the washing of the water of the Word. Cleanse the mind. Let truth, Lord, be the barometer of all things, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Come, come, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, take a deep breath. Thrust these things out. Come on, come on. Come on, headaches and illnesses, psychosomatic illnesses, in Jesus' name. Come on, all these fears, paranoias, and uh, occult curiosities, in Jesus' name. Being curious, dabbling with these things as youths, uh, touching things of the occult. Come on. And Jesus said, guilt associated with that in the name of the Lord. Come on. Any snakes, kundalini snakes, any, any uh, psychic powers or snakes seated at the base of the, of the spine or along the chakra points. In the name of Jesus, I break any demonic spirits that have entered the third eye. We close the third eye in Jesus' name. We take the power of any spirits that have come in illegitimately to third eye activity. I take the power of that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go. Go. Leave. Leave the spines in Jesus' name. Come on, leave, up, out of the spinal column, in the name of the Lord, out of the base of the brain, come on, out of the brain, in Jesus' name, go, take your power, come on, snakes, snakes and uh, serpents and spiders and scorpions, I 
take the power over the minds in Jesus' name. Mind control spirits. Uh, octopus spirits. Spirits, come on, I pick the power of Jesus. Come on. Those jellyfish things, the tentacle things, I pick them off the mind and the emotions. Command you to go. Come on, thrust them out. Take a deep breath. Go, go. Pick your power. Generational curses come down the family line. In the name of the Lord, you're blotted out. You, you're, you have no power, no authority over these souls. No, I pick your power in Jesus' name. Bush, take a deep breath, folks. Thrust them out. Thrust them out. Take a deep breath. Thrust them. Say, go, Satan. Go. Hand the Lord. Resist the devil and he shall flee. Resist the devil and he shall flee. I'd like you to stand up and let the Lord ministry in any way just now. Stand up. Come. Now, now, right now, open your heart to the Lord. There is a spirit that's okay to be full of. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the spirit we want to invoke and invite. Now, say that right now. Jesus, come with a cleansing Holy Spirit. Come and fill me. Every place, every space that the enemy may have occupied. Let the water of the Spirit fill every crack and crevice right now. Okay, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Flow. I pray right now. Come, Holy Spirit, on each soul. Come, Father, send the Spirit. All we have to do is ask, and you would give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. Come, come, waters of the Spirit, come. Thrust out, search me and try me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me and every unclean spirit. We drown those demons down there, Lord. Just pour so much water, they drown and they gag and they're just, they flee. Came in the Lord Jesus. Let the flood of the blood of Jesus, flood of the water of the Spirit, flood of the oil of the Spirit, just flood us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, the, the corresponding healing and deliverance would occur, Lord Jesus, as we finally dealt with and renounced the ground of these things. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come now, come now, more. More, 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 in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, more. All the way, all the way, deeper, deeper. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Some of y'all, I'm just kind of hearing a little bit in the spirit here. I'm just hearing that some people here have chanted. You've gotten into chanting. You know, there's in the Catholic charismatic movement has gotten very Buddhist. I don't know if you know that. I was filled with the Holy Ghost by two Catholic charismatic ladies 31 years ago. But it has gotten very Buddhist. The Catholic Charismatic Center in Houston is full of Hinduism and Buddhism. And what they do is they do mantras and chanting, but they'll chant the name of Jesus. But if you chant the name of Jesus as the mantra, folks, you can bring in the cult spirit. Christ said, do not pray prayers repetitive as the heathen pray. Can I remember that? And there are a lot of people called breathing, or you ever heard of centering prayer? Centering prayer is very popular in the uh, kind of liturgical charismatic, and it's nothing more than an occult meditative pre- technique that will open yourself to the, to the demonic. Uh, my own older brother is in the Hare Krishnas. My own older brother got into this thing back in the early 70s, and so I've been very sensitive to the occult all these years because I saw my brother slip into that with that um, garbage of the 60s. And so, in the name of Jesus... I break the power of any centering prayer, any of that deception that comes in through the charismatic wing of the liturgical churches that have crept into the books and the writings, Lord Jesus. Lord, make us pure like children and, and simple and just Bible-based, Lord, and fundamental and sound and be done with these extra-biblical, uh, popular things, Lord, that so many people gravitate because they renounce deliverance. And I'll tell you something, folks, I've found if you don't bind a deliverance, you're going to bind everything else. Amen. If you don't embrace the truth of deliverance of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to do something to those demons, anesthetize them or hypnotize them or something. Can you hear that? Well, let's give the Lord a praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lamaze. When we first came here, we had several uh, children born during the first few years that we were here. And 
Every child that was born, for the mother had taken Lamaze, the child had a defect, a physical defect. Every single child. And when uh, uh, we began to find this out, Irma started to do research on it. Found out that Lamaze came from a Russian doctor uh, who was an atheist. And, it, and he was the one who, who propagated and where it originated. And uh, she went to a library and, and, and uh, read on it and studied it. And uh, we began, to, we took these, these children and the mother, first the mother, and broke the curse off of the mother. Then we broke the curse from the child and prayed for the child. And every child that had, uh, that the mother that came here, that the mother had taken Lamaze, the Lord restored every child. And every child had a different defect. Each child, no, no two children had the same problem. Every child was different. But when we broke that curse, and if, you, if your daughters or, or anybody in your church anybody is, is taking Lamaze and the doctor recommends it for, for the safety of, of, the, of the children and the mother, go and have them renounce it and, 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 and stop it. Because it is, it's definite to, to the child. Uh, well, okay. Anyway, we, how many of y'all been involved in the mosque? Come on, ladies. Raise your hand. Okay, and then say this in the name of Jesus. I renounce any and all involvement, whether done willingly or ignorantly, in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, come and heal from the roots up all the consequences of that behavior. In Jesus' name. You know, the real, the real passion I have for this kind of teaching our brother gave, you know the real passion. Do you have the guts now to go to people and speak the truth? Hello? Do you have the guts? Come on. This book is back, available back there for $2. Let's just buy them all out. Amen? And you're free to, uh, I'm assuming, if you want to make copies, is that fine? Make Xerox copies? We don't care. Just get the word out any way you can. Well, we're going to be dismissed. We're going to have a meal right now. In fact, should we pray for the meal, brother? And then at 1.30, we'll be gathering back here again. Um, the ladies will be gathering upstairs at 1.30 with Sister Jerry McGeefe's Deliverance Ministry and the gentleman down here. All right? Um, brother, why don't you pray for our lunch? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for deliverance, Lord. Thank you for good teaching, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for good friends, for good fellowship, Lord, and good food. Lord, we ask you to bless the food now, Lord. Bless those that have prepared it, Lord. Make it nourishment to our bodies, Lord. Refresh us, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is the end of this message. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com. There are many free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. Thank you.